You're listening to the Hillside Pulpit, a ministry of Hillside Baptist Church. This is Pastor Chad Henley, and I want to thank you for allowing the Hillside Pulpit to be part of your spiritual journey. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, would you consider leaving a five-star review on your podcasting app? That will help us get the word out to others. And we invite you to join us to worship the King at the Hill. Today, we do have a lot going on. Uh, it's a very busy day. We got the Lord's Supper. We got um, a fellowship meal. We, we're going to have a, a, a members meeting uh, as well. Um, so, not going to have a super long sermon. I know pa- preachers say that all the time, and but but we'll see what happens. But not going to have a super long sermon today. Did I hear an amen? An amen to that. All right. But um, but I do believe the Lord's got something He wants to say this morning. So let me pray for us one more time, and we'll get started. King Jesus. Thank you for today. Thank you for these brothers and sisters that you've brought here today, Lord, or maybe just a a friend, God, or maybe someone inquisitive, God, about what it means to follow you, Lord. For whatever reasons, Lord, we're here today, Lord, I know that you have something that you want to say to us. And so, God, I just pray that you'd prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive um, your word this morning. God, I pray that if there is any distraction or any burden, God, that's weighing upon us that just that might hinder us from hearing you. God, I just pray that your light would just shine through. Lord, that we would experience the peace that transcends all understanding uh, and that you would just minister to our hearts, Lord, today. Help me, Lord, to speak uh, nothing but the truth and, um, and may you be honored and glorified in our hearts today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 in your Bible. If you could follow along with us, that'll really help you. Um, If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the back of the pew in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, feel free to take that one home with you. That's our gift to you. Okay, but today we're going to be talking about um, a short passage here in the book of Philippians. Um, I have a very lofty goal for this year. I'm going to try to memorize the book of Philippians. uh, But as I've been trying to do that... Um, just, just the, the beauty of this book is just really kind of coming out to me. And this passage in particular today is, is, is near and dear to my heart. And it talks about being worthy of the gospel. It talks about living a life worthy of the gospel. We have a great gospel and we have a great Savior. And if we're saved by this great Savior, we've got to live worthy of our King. So that's what we're going to talk about today as we talk about worthy of the gospel from Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 27. If you're able and willing, let me invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to read Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 27. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, 
So when we talk about living worthy of the gospel, there's three uh, kind of um, gospel privileges or gospel prerogatives that the gospel uh, puts upon our lives. Number one, there's gospel citizenship. Number two, there's gospel striving. And then number three, there's gospel courage. So gospel citizenship, gospel striving, and gospel courage. So first, what I want to talk about this morning is gospel citizenship. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. But this is kind of one of those areas where things get lost in translation a little bit. Because when he says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, the Greek verb there that Paul uses literally means something like live as a citizen or behave as a citizen, okay, in a manner worthy of Christ. Now, why would Paul say that? Why would he use citizenship language talking about being worthy of Christ? Well, I think the answer has to do with who he's writing to. Paul, remember, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, all right? Um, Paul is, this is one of his, uh, we know if you read the letter, it's clear that Paul's actually in prison when he's writing this letter, okay? And he's writing to the Philippians, and uh, the Philippians, is, the Philippi was a unique city because Philippi was actually granted the status of a free Roman colony by General Octavian when there was the Roman Civil War. So in other words, the, the, the city of Philippi had this very privileged status within the Roman Empire. Let me put it that way, okay? And you have to remember, too, that like, you know, when, when we live out here in the United States, we, we typically assume most people here are U.S. citizens. But in the ancient Rome, that was not the case at all, right? Rome had a vast empire but most of its citizens actually lived in, in Italy, where, where Rome is, right? Uh, even though they had a vast empire, most of the people in the Roman Empire were not Roman citizens. So to actually have citizen, Roman citizenship afforded you some pretty remarkable privileges within the Roman government that not many people possessed, okay? And so Philippi, being a, a free Roman colony and, and had many citizens, Roman, actual Roman citizens there, it was a point of great pride. Their city was a point of great pride for the Philippians. We actually know from lots of uh, inscriptions that have been in uncovered by archaeologists that, they, they, that even though, uh, it, was, uh, even though it, it, it wasn't originally a Roman city, they took, they, they they took on a great deal of kind of a, a Roman feel for a city and, and Roman pride in their, in their identity as a free Roman colony. All right? And so, but what is Paul doing here? Paul is actually, he, he's tapping into their civic pride, but then he's turning it on his head, it's tur he's turning it on its, its head, right? Because, because Paul is saying to the Philippians, yes, brothers and sisters, live like a privileged citizen, live like a citizen, but remember that your citizenship isn't first in Rome, it's in heaven, right? Your citizenship isn't first in Rome, it's in <clears throat> It's in heaven, and heavenly citizenship entails living worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? You know, when, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I, I, when I was a kid, we sang, I'm Proud to Be an American by Lee Greenwood. Everybody know that song? You could probably sing it by heart, right? Well, I mean, I believe there's such thing as healthy patriotism, but guess what? Your citizenship in America isn't forever, but your citizenship in the kingdom of God is eternal. 
It's vastly more important, all right? And so as citizens of a heavenly kingdom, we, we, we're, we're not just trying to live up to American ideals. We're trying to live up to divine ideals, to heavenly ideals, to godly ideals, right? And, and so we're to live worthy of the gospel as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. You know, sometimes I think we can come in this room on Sunday morning, right, and we, we can experience God in a special way with his people, and this is a special place and this is a special thing. It's my favorite day of the week. But at the same time, I think we can be tempted to think, okay, this is kind of like a special thing, and then, and then but, but my real life is outside the doors. And my real life is outside these walls. All right? But I just want to tell you, and I just want to remind you this morning, that what happens in this room on Sunday mornings is more real and longer lasting than what happens outside the doors in the week. All right? We'll be doing this forever. All right? And our identity our identity in Christ vastly supersedes our identity, you know, in the workforce or, or, or as Americans or whatever that may be, all right? And so let's remember then that as we go out of these doors, we, let's remember that Jesus isn't just king in this room. Jesus is king of the world. He's king of the whole world, right? So we're not just heavenly citizens for two hours on Sunday morning. We're heavenly citizens every day of the week, Monday through Saturday, all right, so let's go out there and live like it. Live like citizens of heaven, right? You know, if we should live our lives in such a way that people wonder, man, where, where is this cat from? What, 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 what's guiding him? He don't, he don't live like the rest of the people around here. Something's different about him. And you can say, well, my citizenship is in heaven. We can live worthy of the gospel now because we're already heavenly citizen. So number one, gospel citizenship. Number two, gospel striving. Gospel striving. It says there in verse, um, again in verse 27, it says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, or am absent I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now this verse is important to me because um, it's inscribed on my wedding ring, which I just realized I took, where's my wedding ring? Oh, I took it off to wash my hands earlier. It's right here. I'm married, guys. All right. So, it, so I, Philippians 1.27 is actually um, inscribed here in my wedding ring because, the whole, because I wanted our, or, or Meg and I wanted our vision for our marriage to say what? Hey, we're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here, right? We're supposed to, he wants to hear of them because Paul's in prison. Okay, but he says, even if I'm not there, I want to hear about you guys, that you're, si- that, that you're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In other words, what Paul is speaking about here is unity. He's speaking about unity, as Brother Ron mentioned, all right? <clears throat> unity is so important in, in the Bible. And if, if Paul had one concern for the Philippians, it was probably for unity. For example, in chapter 4, later in the book of Philippians, he names two women by name who are having some kind of disagreement in Philippians 4.2. He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So let me ask you this. How would you like your name to be forever inscribed in God's eternal word because you and another person in church couldn't get along? So, I've, so this is, here's what I decide. Here's what I decide. If, if two people in our church end up having an argument, I'm going to say, you better watch out or I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to write a letter. It's going to be in that letter. Everyone will remember it. We're going to get up to heaven and we're... I guarantee you, everybody who gets to heaven, 
After they have all the other visits, they, they ask, where is Euodian Syntyche? What was that about? How many times do you think they got asked what their argument was about? All right. We, let's refuse as a church, right? So, so, okay, so what's he saying? He's saying, uh, standing firm in one spirit with one mind. That's what he says. So one spirit can literally mean one soul or one life, right? And then he says, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. <clears throat> and so notice there, right? We're to, have, we're, to, we're to be like-minded. We're to have the same heart. We're to have the same mind as we labor together for Christ. And, so, and that's the thing. It's like, as a church, that's the point. Part of becoming a, a, a member of a church is that these, you're saying, these are my people that I'm striving side by side with, right? And you got to have those people, right? We can't, we're not just floating off in this outer space, you know. We're saying, I have concrete, actual people that I'm laboring together for the Lord with, and who is that? That's my church family. That's who we are as Hillside Baptist Church. And notice he's saying striving side by side for what? For the sake of the gospel, right? For the sake of the gospel, right? When 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 you are striving on mission... We, one, of the, one of the cool things that happens is that you don't, actually have, you don't actually have time to argue. You don't actually have time to fight, right? Because, because what? Because too much is at stake, right? When you're on the battlefield, right, when, when the battle is raging, when bullets are flying over your head, you don't have time to have arguments with the person in the foxhole next to you. You're trying to stay alive. We're trying to win the war. We're trying to take souls for Jesus Christ, all right? And so as we strive side by side, as we keep the mission up front, as we keep the mission um, uh, in front of us to love God, to love people, and to make disciples, that actually frees us from getting, uh, 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 having disagreements about uh, unimportant things that really just don't matter, right? We don't, like I said, when, 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 when a war is raging, it doesn't matter what color the carpet is. It doesn't, right? And so we got to keep striving. We got to keep, keep pressing together to love God, to love people, and to make disciples, <clears throat> And that's what we're here for. That's what we are as a church. We just strive side by side for the sake of Christ. That word translated striving side by side is the Greek word soon athleo, all right, which you may notice is related to where we get our English word athlete from. And it can mean striving together as in an athletic contest, right? So the other week, right, when Taylor Swift, I mean, um, Kansas City won the Super Bowl, all right, all right, how did they win it, all right? How did they win it? Well, Patrick Mahomes didn't win the Super Bowl by himself, right? There's a whole team, right? There's a whole team there, and each one had a specific job to do, and, and they had to do it together, right? When you're on the field, when you're like on a football field, right, if one player doesn't know his, his assignment and doesn't execute it, the whole play is ruined, all right? And so that's what it is. It's to strive side by side to have everybody on the same page saying, Okay, you go here, you go there. We're going we're gonna to get, we're going to take this. We're going to take Dodge County for Jesus, all right? When we get everybody on the same page, that's when things happen, all right? So my prayer for Hillside is this. I pray that we would always strive, fight, labor with one heart and soul for the sake of Christ in Dodge County. And make that your prayer too. Make that your prayer for our church, that, that we would strive side by side, that we would labor together, that we would you know, uh, you know, get in our three-point stance side-by-side, side, ready to take on uh, Dodge County for King Jesus, all right? And so it, it, it has the sense of striving together with an athletic contest. And the truth is, is we need everybody on the field, right? Ain't got time to warm benches, all right? We need everybody on the field. And so think about it and pray about it. We, you know, 
We got, we got invite cards in the back. There are places of service here in the church. So think about, God, how could, I be, how, could I, how could I suit up and get ready and serve alongside my brothers and sisters in Christ? Remember, in the book of Nehemiah, right, they, were, they, they had a job to do. They had this wall to build, and, uh, but there was lots of opposition, right? That there was so much opposition to the point people were trying to, uh, even threatening to attack them, all right, that they had to work on the wall with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other hand, all right? They had a sword, and a, a sword and a trowel, all right? But they didn't quit until the job was done. And so we, we can't quit until the job is done, until all Dodge County and the world gives glory to God. And so let God help us to strive together for the gospel. So number one, gospel citizenship. Number two, gospel striving. And then finally, number three, um, gospel courage. And so... In verse 28 and following there, Paul says, uh, And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. All right, so we have citizenship in heaven, all right, and because of that we're able to strive side by side together, labor together, fight together with one heart and with one soul. Uh, and we must do all this, Paul says, with gospel courage, with gospel courage. He says, he says to them not to be frightened in anything by your opponents. So you remember in Philippi, right? In Philippi, Paul was uh, arrested and imprisoned, right? And that's when the earthquake happened. The Philippian jailer got saved. All right, and they, they told him that he had to leave the city and all that stuff. Uh, there, there, was, there was opposition, all right, to the message. And so, but these Philippians, you know, Paul had to leave Philippi, but the church in Philippi had stayed, right? So there was opposition, right? And he's saying, he's saying, look, don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. In fact, he says that when you find that there is opposition to the gospel message, right, that that's not the time to tuck your tail and go home. It's not time to rethink your message or rethink your strategy, all right? It's time to be courageous. That's, that's what time it is. It's time to be courageous, right? In fact, Paul says that our refusal to fear opposition is a sign to them that we belong to God, and it's also a sign to them of their judgment. Should they continue in opposition to the gospel, they will face the consequences from God. And so, in other words, Christianity should be produce courageous people. There should, be, there should be no such thing as a cowardly Christian. Jesus said, do not fear those who, who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear, fear him who can kill soul and body in hell. G, uh, the Apostle Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so, we don't have to be afraid. One of the, one, one of the signs of Christianity, of authentic Christian faith, should be fearlessness. So just, you know, not arrogance, but just a humble but bold confidence in saying, you know what, I'm following Jesus, so I'm going to do the right thing regardless of the consequences. I'm going to do the right thing regardless of the opposition that I face. It requires courage to follow Christ. As I always say, and I'm sure you guys remember, right, the number one most repeated command in the Bible is fear not. Don't be afraid. And in fact, Paul says this. He says, It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, 
but suffer for his sake. Now, that is very interesting language there because Paul said it has been granted to you to do what? To not only believe in Christ, but to suffer for Christ. The word grant there means to give as a gift or as a favor, to give or to give freely, not based on merit, but as a gift. And so literally what Paul is saying is that God will at times give his people the gift of suffering. The gift of suffering. Because when we face opposition for the name of Christ, hear me now, it's not a punishment. It's a reward. It's a reward. That's what Jesus said, right? Blessed are you when people revile you and slander you and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And so as believers, God grants us not only to believe in him, but God also grants us to suffer for him. It's a privilege to suffer for King Jesus. And it's our willingness and even gladness to suffer for Jesus that does what? That tells the world how valuable and precious Jesus is, right? What does it say about Jesus if we just turn our tails and run every time, we, every time life gets hard? What does that say about Jesus? But when we are willing to suffer, when we're willing to be courageous, when we're willing to endure suffering for Christ's sake, that tells the world Jesus is valuable. And so we never have to be afraid. And so the final exhortation here is let us be a courageous church. Let's be a bold church. Let us be a fearless church. Let us not receive, uh, let us not, uh, receive opposition or suffering uh, with grumbling, but with joy and fearlessness for the sake of Christ. So what do we see today? We see gospel citizenship, gospel striving, and gospel courage. So that's the charge for our church today. And as I close, I just want to extend this invitation to you. To, there is no greater privilege than the privilege of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so what we've been talking about today, this, this, this privilege, this joy of serving the king, of having a life lived that we know is going to matter for eternity, that, that when we go out these doors, we're doing things that are going to matter forever by living for the, king, the only kingdom that it will last forever. That, that's a privilege for citizens of the heavenly kingdom. And maybe you're in here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and you're just not 100% sure what all that's about. What's, it's my privilege to, to, to share with you a little bit today. We're all sinners. We're all fallen. We're all broken. We all, we all live in this, this world that the, key, that the Bible calls the uh, the, uh, under the dominion of Satan. But Jesus is breaking in and Jesus is breaking through. And Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. He rose from the dead, right? Since the wages of sin is death, forgiven sin has no power. Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he had forgiven sin so that if our sins are forgiven through Jesus, we too can know for sure that we'll have the hope one day of eternal resurrection life. And one day King Jesus... <clears throat> Hear me now. One day, King Jesus, remember Jesus told these parables, right? About like a, a, guy, a, a, a king going away and then one day returning for his kingdom, right? Well, guess what? One day, Jesus is coming back. And, and even though Jesus is the king now, but guess what? Most people don't recognize it and most people don't, and most people don't submit to it. 
But one day, Jesus is coming back, and when he does, he's taking his kingdom back. But if you're not a citizen by then, it'll be too late. And so the invitation is glorious, it's free, it's amazing. You can become a citizen of the heavenly kingdom today. You can turn from your sin. You can trust in Christ who lived, who died, who rose again, who's coming back. You can trust in him. He's alive right now. He's alive today. You can, you can turn to him. You can call on him and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Grant me citizenship into your kingdom. Jesus is so wonderful, y'all. He'll forgive you, and he'll accept you, and he'll bring you in. And I would love to see you with me on those streets of gold one day. Father in heaven, Lord, what a privilege it is to belong to you. And Lord, I just pray for our church, God. I pray, I pray for Hillside Baptist Church. God, I pray that you would bless us, Lord, as we, as we live out our gospel citizenship, as we strive together side by side for the gospel, Lord. I pray that you would guard the devil from getting in. I pray that you would help us to be on mission for you and to strive side by side for the sake of the gospel. And I pray, God, that you would give us courage. God, as a church, to love and serve and follow and obey you. Oh, God, bless Hillside. Let Hillside live before you, Lord, a faithful and obedient church to the praise and glory of your grace, Lord. And again, Lord, I pray that if there's just somebody, anybody today that needs your touch, that needs your grace, that needs your mercy and forgiveness, Lord, I pray that they would receive the greatest and freest of all gifts, Lord, forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ our Lord. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.